word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you, Lord. You're a great and awesome God. And Lord, as we go to your word now, give us ears to hear what your spirit would say to us. Lord, the words of men are a waste of time, but the word of God transforms lives. So we ask that the teaching ministry of your Holy Spirit would be alive and active, that you would be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, So Ephesians is a letter written by the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, a church that he had founded and he had been away from for many years. Word comes back to him of the difficulties going on in the church in Ephesus, a church that's surrounded by great wealth, great sexual immorality, and great idolatry. The first half of the letter, which is almost always the case with, with Paul's letters, he talks about what we believe. He talked about our riches in Christ. We're blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven. In chapter 2, he says, We were once dead in our trespasses and sins, but God made us alive in Christ. We were spiritually dead, but now we're alive in Christ. In chapter 3, he talked about the fact that we are recipients of God's grace. So we see our riches in Christ. We're alive in Christ. We talked about the fact that we are recipients of God's grace. Just remember, a great acronym for grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Guys, it's all been paid for through his shed blood on the cross of Calvary. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Can I get an amen? Now, this is what we believe, first three chapters, and now he goes into how do we behave. So in light of what the Word of God teaches us, in light of what we know about who we are in Christ, how shall we now live? He began there in chapter 4 talking about the walk of a believer, the practice of a Christian. First, we should walk in humility and unity. Hey, look, there's only one church. We're all a part of it. Can I get an amen to that? I'm just as excited when someone gets saved at a church down the street as someone who gets, when someone gives their life to the Lord here. We're not trying to build Calvary Chapel, Calabasas. We want to build the kingdom of God. Amen? Every Sunday morning when we pray, we pray for pastors in the area. We want to see God do a great work. And we should always be humble and broken and desperate because apart from the Lord, we are lost. He then talked about being in the world, but not of the world. We minister to the world, but have no fellowship with it. We'll look at that a little more this morning. Then he talked about imitating the Father. We all imitate somebody. We all have somebody we look up to. Uh, you know what? I, I get it. People talk about mentors. If you have one, God bless you. That's fine. Uh, my mentor is Jesus. He's the one I want to follow. He's the example I want to follow. And we want to imitate the Father who walked and talked about walking in love and walking in purity and walking as children of light. The second part of chapter 5, we talked about bringing heaven home. We saw a picture of a Christ-like marriage, the role of the husband and the role of a wife. And it's so contrary to what the, Word of God, uh, what the world teaches, and the Word of God is so contrary to that. And marriage was created by God. He defines it. He's the center of it, and he talks more about marriage in the Bible even than he does the church. So marriage is the foundation of the church, and we need to have Christ-like marriages. All these messages are available in CDs on the back table, and again, also on our website. Then we got to chapter 6 last week, uh, two weeks ago. We talked about God's divine order in home, at home and at work. Uh, we talked about children obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. The word for children there is technon, which is a word for any child living in your house. So it doesn't matter if they're 8 years old or 28 years old. If they live in your house, they need to honor the, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? And so we love them. We, we be a Christ-like example to them. And we need to honor our parents even when we don't live with them anymore. The only time that vow is that that is broken is if my parents commanded I stop worshiping Jesus. Then I say no. 
But God put our parents in our lives for a reason, and there's a picture. But we also saw employees and employers. So if you have people working for you, you should be a, a Christ-like example to them. And if you have a job in the building, the first of us do, do your job as unto the Lord. Amen? We should be the best workers in the building. The first ones there, the last ones to leave. Do your job in a way that honors the Lord. So that's been the book of Ephesians so far. And so we look at all of this, and now we come to this morning's chapter. If you have your outline, grab it. Grab it. Go through it quickly. Pastor Mark loves when I say this. I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'll tell you, then I'll tell you what I told you. Can I get an amen? <laughs> amen. So I'm going to tell you what I'm going to tell you, then I'll tell you, then I'll tell you what I told you. Amen. So we're going to look at winning the spiritual battle. See, all these things that we talk about in Ephesians, these things that we're called to do, how do we have the power to do it? How do I have the power to be the godly husband I'm supposed to be? How do I have the power to be a godly employee? How do I have the power to be a, a, a good godly parent? How are those things even possible in our lives? Well, here's the reality. In your own strength, they're impossible. Without Him, we can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And we're going to talk this morning, as we finish up this letter, about spirit, the spiritual battle that we face every single day. We're going to see in this morning's text, as Christians desiring to walk in the center of God's will, there are three enemies that we face. The world, the flesh, and the devil. We've already talked on the world and the flesh. Uh, the world is the, what society teaches us is right and wrong. We don't go by what the world says. We go by what the word says. Amen? The world is often wrong. We love the world. We minister to the world. We have no fellowship with it. So one of the enemies is society and the culture trying to change what the truth is. Marriage has been redefined by the world. It's still not marriage because it, it conflicts with the word of God. Amen? So not just the world, but it's also the flesh. I tell you guys this often, I get up in the morning when I'm shaving, I look in the mirror and I say to myself, you got to die, bro. Because you know what? The flesh has to be put to death every single day. Amen? Our fleshly desires are often, when we're our old self-centered, sinful, Adamic nature can do nothing to please God, must be put to death. Now the one we're going to really look at this morning, the battle, the spiritual battle that we fight is the devil. And there are churches that don't even talk about Satan. And by the way, Satan is a defeated foe. Can I get an amen to that? And I will say this, in my flesh, in my own strength, Satan will destroy me. But walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have victory over Satan. Can I get an amen to that? The battle's already been won, he's already paid the price in full. And Satan is a defeated foe. Now, Satan has three things he wants to do. He, wants to, he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He hates you. He hates your family. He hates your marriage. He, hate, he hates everything about you. He wants you to take you to hell with him. And if he can't do that, he wants to render you ineffective for the kingdom of God until you die. So that's his whole attitude. His whole heart is to either destroy you, kill you. By the way, suicide is totally something that Satan loves. And it's when the enemy tries to tell you you're of no value, quit listening to Satan and start remembering what Jesus did for you. You determine the value of something by what somebody is willing to pay, and the Lord loved you so much, he'd rather die than live without you. What a great and awesome God we serve, amen? So the next time you feel you're of no value, just remember his love for you. He knows his time is short, and Satan loves to remind you of his past, and when he does, just remind him of your future. Amen? His future. There is, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So the condemnation doesn't come from the Lord. It comes from the enemy. So first we're going to see, 
But yet, how do we win a spiritual battle? We recognize who the enemy is. The enemy is not your spouse. Can I get an amen to that? The enemy is not your boss. The enemy is not the economy. The enemy is not the political system. The enemy is not your health issues. The enemy is Satan. Can I get an amen to that? And the world and the flesh. Those are the things that we struggle with. Secondly, how do we have to win this spiritual battle? By being equipped in the whole armor of God. And I love this. Putting on the whole armor of God. And we'll talk about it in detail. Standing therefore, girded with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, feet shod with the preparation of the gospel, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit. And then finally, along with being equipped in the whole armor of God, we see the, one of the sources of spiritual victory and boldness. And this is something that needs to happen more in the church. Prayer. Can I get an amen to that? Can I get an amen to that? Amen. The Bible says you shall make my father's house a house of prayer. So we look at the whole counsel of God, but without prayer, without supplication, without getting on our knees before the creator of the universe, prayer doesn't change God's mind, it changes my heart. When I pray, it, it knits my will to his will. I need to pray for his power, for his strength, and for wisdom, and for his will in my life. And guys, I want to encourage you, if you're not doing this already, Tomorrow morning when you wake up, before your feet hit the ground, spend time in prayer and seek the face of your Savior. Can I get an amen to that? If you spend time in His presence, it's going to prepare you for the rest of the day. Open up the Word of God. Let God speak to you. By the way, we have some Through the Bibles in a Year on the back table. Grab one. January 1st is coming. You can read the entire Bible in a year. You're going to watch Netflix. Read the Bible. If we spent as much time in God, God's Word as we did watching TV, we'd be spiritual giants. Can I get an amen? The source of spiritual victory and boldness, first prayer and supplication, and secondly, fellowship. And fellowship is we have Jesus in common. And when you come to fellowship, you get encouraged, you get equipped, you get strengthened in the most holy faith. You're allowed to use your gifts to minister one to another. Christianity is not for the Lone Ranger, Amen. We're not supposed to be off on our own. We need to be not forsake, not to gather yourselves together, and all the more as the day approaches. All right, I told you what I was going to tell you, so let's tell you. Amen? Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, pick up there in verse 10. Winning the spiritual battle, first of all, by identifying the real enemy. Finally, my brethren. So he's closing up this letter. Finally, my brethren. My last words to you. As I leave this letter to this church that I had founded in light of all you've been through, who you are in Christ, the riches you have in him, the calling to live a life sold out and set apart for the Lord, to be a Christ-like example to a lost and a dying world. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Man, I love this. Be strong in the Lord. Guys, the only way we can be strong is in the Lord. Amen? Not in, the, not in our strength, not in our determination. Some of you are going to have New Year's resolutions on January 1st that you will break by January 3rd. Because, you, by the way, Jim, if you want to go work out at a health club, don't go the first week of January. That's when all the resolution people come, and they'll be gone by the 8th, and you can go back to the, to the health club. But the reality is that we make these resolutions, and the reason most of them fail is we're doing them in our own strength. But guys, our strength doesn't come from better discipline or a greater attitude or, you know, I've, I've shared this with you before. Most of you guys know I have a sales job and we had a guy come and speak at one of our, if you've been going here a while, you've heard this a couple times, but that's all right. So this guy got up there to motivate the sales force and he said, get up in the morning and look in the mirror and say to yourself, I sizzle with power and enthusiasm. 
And he made us all get up and say it. And I'm like, this is the biggest bunch of nonsense I've ever heard. And so he kept saying, I sizzle with power and enthusiasm. I'm like, oh my goodness. And he kept doing that. And finally, he was also had foul language and it was out of control. And I was in the back, and Lord, forgive me. I thought, boy, if this guy doesn't get right with the Lord, there's going to be sizzling, but there's going to be no power and no enthusiasm if he doesn't get right with the Lord. But here's the reality, is that our strength can only be in the Lord. It needs to be in the Lord. How do we have strength in the Lord? We need to spend time with the Lord. We need to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. How does that happen? We spend time in His Word. You know, the Lord's not hiding from you. Amen? He wants what's best for you. The strength needed to win a spiritual battle does not come from our physical abilities, efforts, commitments, or resolutions. Again, without Him, we can do nothing. Yet so many today try to win the battle uh, with their struggles and their sinful behavior through their own efforts. In your flesh, the enemy will whip you every time. This is why we must fight our battles in His power. And it says there, and in His power and His might. There needs to be less of us and more of him. The apostle, uh, Jesus said, of of men born among women, there was none greater than John the Baptist. So that means the greatest man who ever lived outside of Jesus was John the Baptist because Jesus said so. Can I get an amen? And what did John the Baptist say? I must decrease that he might increase. So the greatest man who ever lived, according to Jesus, outside of Jesus himself, said there needs to be less of me and more of him. If that's true about John the Baptist, it's true for every one of us. Can I get an amen to that? There needs to be less of me and more of him. I need to not operate in my power and in my strength, but in his power, in his might, in his strength. Is our God almighty? What's the answer? He's not kind of mighty. He's almighty. Amen? He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. The creator of the universe. The king of kings. The Lord of lords. The alpha and the omega. And you know what's amazing about that? He sent his Holy Spirit to come and live inside of us so we don't have to live this life on our own. We walk in his power and his strength and in his power and his might and his strength, we can be used mightily for his kingdom and for his glory and we can win the battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. Amen? And he's exhorting and encouraging them. There's battles of temptation that go on every day. How do you win that battle? Without him you can do nothing, but I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Satan is too powerful for our flesh, but he was defeated at the cross. Amen? By the way, we don't need to be addressing Satan. Can I get an amen to that? People, you know, I'm going to tell Satan what to do. No, let God take care of him. Can I get an amen to that? I don't need to address him, talk to him, tell him, command him, uh, bind him, plead the blood of Jesus over him, you know. And I've heard people pray for Satan to get saved. That ain't happening. Amen? I hate the devil. Hate him. And it's okay to hate the devil. Can I get an amen to that? He wants to, anybody who wants to steal, kill, and destroy my family, I don't like him. And he's not going to change. And he is an enemy. But here's the good news. Let God take care of him. And he will. He's greater. So to win this spiritual battle, our strength and our power must be in the Lord. So how do we do that? Verse 11. Put on the whole armor of God. You'll be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. The word put on there means put it on permanently. It ends up, it means putting on armor that, you, that should be a part of your daily attire always. 
It's just a part of who you are. It's not something you take off and put back on and take off and put back on. Put on the whole armor of God. And what you're going to see about this armor in a moment is all of it is protecting the front side. The helmet has a back to it, but all of it is protecting the front side. And you say, put on the whole armor of God as you walk into this world, as you go out and serve the Lord faithfully, and God will protect you. He will strengthen you, and as we will see, he will use you in a mighty and a powerful way. He's telling them to be strong in the Lord, and how do you do that? You put on the whole armor of God. The word for whole armor there in Greek is, is full and complete armor, not just part of it, not just what you want to put on, but all of it, the shield, the sword, the breastplate, the helmet, the belt, the shoes, because the enemy is going to attack every, with you with every resource that he has, and the enemy knows your weak spot. Now, Satan is not all-powerful or almighty, and he is not omniscient, and he is not omnipresent. He doesn't know everything. He cannot be everywhere at once. We're going to see that he has some helpers here in a few verses, but He's a defeated foe, but he does know humankind, and he does know the things that tempt us, and he is going to tempt you with the things he believes will cause you to take your eyes off of the Lord and put your eyes on the world, the world, the flesh, and the devil. He's going to tempt you to draw you away. Putting on the whole armor of God will strengthen you to resist the devil. You may be, it says there that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, the world, wiles there simply just means methods. So in the Lord, we have strength, we have power, we're clothed in his armor, and we can stand against the methods of the devil, his cunning, his deceit, his trickery. Uh, again, let's talk about Satan just for a moment. While he is indeed doomed and damned and defeated and bound for eternity in hell, he's not going down without a fight. And it's very effective. He's very effective at what he does. And again, while he's not all-knowing, he knows human nature. While he's not all-powerful, he's more powerful than any man who's operating in his flesh. You will not have victory over Satan in your own strength. It'll never happen. But you can have victory over Satan as you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. While he's not omnipresent, again, he does have a lot of help. What happened when Satan was cast out of heaven? Who went with him? Third of the angels. How many is that? I don't know, because if we know the angels were thousands and ten thousands times ten thousands of thousands and thousands, I don't know how many that is. And I'm a math guy, and that number's too big for me. So if a third of them fell with Satan, there's a lot of demonic things going on around us. Now, again, I don't see Satan under every rock, and I don't want to over-spiritualize everything, but if you don't think that we're in a spiritual battle, you're not paying attention. Can I get an amen to that? It is a spiritual battle that we fight every single day. The devil, his name means accuser because he accuses God's, pe accuses God's people day and night. You know what Satan's doing right now? He, he is accusing the brethren to the Lord. And you know what breaks my heart? That there are things that I do that causes Satan to go to the Savior and accuse the brethren. I'm part of the problem. That's why I need Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? And so Satan wants to draw you away. He knows what your weaknesses are. He knows your weak spot. The word Satan means adversary because he's an enemy of God. He's also called the tempter, the murderer, the chief of liars, a roaring lion who seeks he may, whom he may devour, uh, a serpent, an angel of light, and the God of this age. This one-time angel and worshiper of God pridefully attempted to overthrow God, and again, one-third of the angels were cast out with him. Now, 
We don't need to be afraid of the devil. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Can I get an amen to that? That being said, we don't want to open the door for him to invite him into our life either. And there are certain things we can do to invite him in. And, we, and I'll tell you something. Here's, here's a real key to growing spiritually. You know, walking in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, spending time in God's word, being a man or woman of prayer, but recognizing when the devil is at work. My wife and I will have a discussion and it'll, it'll start to turn to an argument and I'll, I'll look at each other and I'll go, babe, that's the enemy. This is nonsense. It doesn't even matter. Can I get an amen to that? Anybody besides me ever experienced that? Can I get an amen? The enemy comes in and he wants to bring division. He wants to divide churches. He wants to divide families. He wants to destroy what God has created. And he's going to go after what your weakest spot is in your family, in your home, in your life. Satan's headed for hell and he knows it. And he's seeking to steal, kill, and destroy. Just as the Lord loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, so Satan hates you and he wants to destroy your life. Satan knows he's going to hell and he wants to bring as many people with him as he possibly can. And he wants to render Christians ineffective in their walk and witness. He wants to destroy your marriage. He wants to destroy your walk. He wants to destroy your testimony. He wants to disqualify you from ministry. Those are the victories he tries to have here and now. And again, you know what's interesting? You know what Satan loves? You ever think about things Satan loves? He loves sin. He loves blasphemy. He loves pride. He loves lying. He loves fornication. He loves adultery. He loves homosexuality. He loves gossip. He loves suicide. He loves sorcery. He loves drunkenness. He loves drug use. He loves ungodly music that worships him. He loves every false religion that's out there. There are things that Satan loves. If Satan loves it, you don't want to do it. Can I get an amen to that? I want no part of it. Satan is not omnipresent. He can't be everywhere at once. He's not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. I don't believe he knows the names of all, I don't know, what is it, seven billion people? I don't know how many billions we have on the planet now. He doesn't, I don't believe he knows everybody's name. I think he, it's, it's limited. Um, it's probably a great deal. And here's the reality. I hope he knows my name because I believe he knows the names of the people that are living out loud for Jesus. Do you think he knew Billy Graham's name? You think he knows the names of the apostles? You think he knows the name? And, you know, I've had people say, I hope he almost knows my name. But, I, you know what, I just assume that he knows. I hope I'm on his post office wall as 10 most wanted in Jesus' name. Can I get an amen to that? May we live in such a way that, 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 that the, not only does, is God glorified through us, but the enemy hates, because the enemy hates me, that I must be obeying the Lord. Amen? And the enemy's not going to go after people who are doing nothing for the kingdom of God. That's why I do nothing. I don't want to be attacked. I want to sit on the sideline and be, you know, be an undercover Christian so I never face any threats from the enemy. Man, guys, when this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. He hates God. He hates you. He hates worship. He hates evangelism. He hates God's word. He hates marriage. He hates godly parenting. He hates it when you use your gifts for the kingdom of God. And I'll tell you what he really hates. He hates the cross. And he hates our Savior. But his time is running out. He'll do whatever he can to keep you ineffective through temptation to draw you away. And sometimes he'll, give, he'll, he'll try to help you attain a lot of worldly things so you're so consumed with the world that you're not spending enough time with the Lord. You know, sometimes the worst thing that can happen to us is get a big promotion at work and now we're working 150 hours a week and we have no time to serve the Lord. There are things that he will do that don't even seem evil on the surface. But guys, anything you put before Jesus Christ is a false idol that needs to be crushed. Can I get an amen to that? 
Jesus comes before everything. He's first. So, how can he do this when he's not omnipresent? Verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. We're in a battle, you guys, but it's not a physical one. Uh, me being able to bench press a lot is not going to help me in this battle. Can I get an amen? If I'm an MMA fighter, it's not going to help me in this battle. This is a battle that needs to be won spiritually. Again, the enemy and the battle is not against your wife, your boss, your teacher, or the government, your sibling. The battle that we face every day as believers is a spiritual one. Again, our enemy is not in the physical, nor are our weapons. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. It's not by might... Not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, principalities and powers and rulers of darkness, what, is the, what does this mean? These are Satan's helpers. Not Santa's helpers, but Satan's helpers, amen? And they were angels that chose to side with Lucifer, who was the most beautiful of all the angels. Pride got to him. And they sided with Lucifer in the attempt to overthrow Almighty God. So when, when Satan was cast down, they were cast down with him. They too know their future. And they too want to bring destruction to your life. And we do fight a spiritual battle. They all have a common goal. To knock down the Christian. To tempt you. To render you ineffective. To wreak havoc in your home and in your marriage. Various ranks of demonic beings... Some may be, it's believed that, you know, principalities and powers, you know, principality could literally be an angel, who, a, a demon who's over a city. When I pastored the church in Santa Cruz, they had the, the, the church, headquarters of the Church of Satan was there, and, and man, it was such a demonic place in so many ways. And I thought, boy, they've got somebody in charge of this town. But you know what? There's not a lot of, there's not a lot of churches in Calabasas, if you didn't know that. There's actually two that I know of. And you know what? The reality is this city needs Jesus. Can I get an amen to that? And there is, there is one who wants to bring destructions to an entire city. So there are demonic realms. And again, if you've been coming to church here, I'm a Word of God guy. I'm a Bible guy. I believe the Word of God is sufficient. Amen? And I don't see the devil under every rock like I said. But there is a spiritual battle that takes place. And the good news is, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world says there at the end of that verse, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Again, contrast to the angelic heavenly host. So again, a third of the angels have fallen. There's a battle going on all around us. One of my favorite verses when you, when you want to try to grasp this, you guys know the story of Elisha in 2 Kings chapter 6. One of his servants was overwhelmed because the enemy had surrounded them. And, and they were outnumbered by hundreds to one. You know, they were just way outnumbered. And, and the servant was panicking. And he looked at Elisha and said to Elijah, why are you not panicking? Look at the size of the enemy. And it says this in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 17. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man. And he saw, behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots on fire round and about Elisha. 
See, guys, we look at the world from a physical perspective, we're going to feel overwhelmed. But guys, our God is greater than any enemy that the enemy can ever dish out in our life. Amen? He is, he is a, Satan is a defeated foe, and our God is greater. See, the reason David could fight Goliath is when David got there, he didn't see 11 foot 750 against a teenager. He saw a puny man against Almighty God. See, when we fight the battle, guys, it's not a man against us. It's not the devil against us. It's the enemy against the creator of the universe, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha and the Omega, Almighty God. And if God is for us, who can be against us? You plus God is a majority. Amen? It doesn't matter how many people are on the other side. It doesn't matter what size of a foe you're fighting. You know what? If you're fighting addiction, heavy. If you're fighting a marriage that's in trouble, heavy. If you're fighting financial issues, if you're fighting issues with your health, our God is greater than all of it. And our God can bring victory. Can I get an amen? He's a great and awesome God that we serve. Satan and his helpers are a powerful foe. So how do we stand against them? Point number one, first of all, we've identified the enemy. The enemy, again, it's the world, the flesh, and in this case, the devil. Now, how do, we, how do we have victory? I love that the Bible is so practical. He writes it down for us. And here it is. Look at verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Paul again emphasizes the necessity of the Christian to appropriate God's full armor by obediently taking up and putting it on. We cannot win the spiritual battle without preparation. Have you ever known an army to go fight a battle without a plan? If you do, that's called a losing army. Amen? And we need to be prepared that when we step out the door in the morning to go out into our mission field to represent Jesus Christ, if we do it in our own strength, we are going to fail. But if we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, we walk you know, armored up in the whole armor of God, we can be used in a mighty way for his kingdom and his glory. It says that you may be able to withstand in that evil day. In the day of temptation, the day of Satan's full force attack, we must be ready and armored up at all times for the enemy's uh, full attack. We don't know what a day holds. We don't know that we might not face a tragedy tomorrow. We don't know what difficulty may come before us, but you know who does know? The Lord. And do you know that he, he is not surprised by it? He's not overwhelmed by it. He can bring you through it, and he's greater than any foe or any difficulty you will ever face. And you know what? A faith that hasn't been tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. Amen? And it's a testing of our faith. It's where we grow the most spiritually. And we want to avoid every trial of life. But it says in James, to count it all joy, my brethren, when you fall into various trials, for trials produce patience and the perfecting of your faith. So guys, every time we're tempted, it's an opportunity to fall or to grow. If we resist the devil, he flees from us and we grow spiritually. And every trial we go through in life is an opportunity for us to fall or to grow if we would yet trust the Lord in the middle of it. The people who I love to listen to teach the Bible, the people who I love to get godly counsel from are people who have gone through great trials and their faith has not wavered. May we be men and women like that. And that's the exhortation here. How do we do that? How do we stand strong in an evil day? By the way, you need to be ready for the devil, but we don't go devil hunting. Can I get an amen to that? 
Nowhere in the Bible do you say, go hunt down the devil. He's a roaring lion seeking me to devour. You just need to be ready when the lion shows up at your house. Amen? You need to be prepared when that temptation comes or when those attacks come from the enemy. Again, we don't need to address the devil. Leave that to the hands of the Lord. So what is the whole armor of God? Let's begin there in verse 14. He says, stand therefore. Maintain your ground. As Christians, we don't back away. As Christians, we don't fall away. As Christians, we need not be fearful. I had a friend of mine that he drove me a little crazy, I'll be honest with you. The church I pastored in Santa Cruz, he was, he was one of our elders for a while, and he would always say, Pastor, we need to reel it back, man. We just need to reel it back. We just need to pull back a little bit. You know, we're, we're just getting a little too out there for the Lord. We got to, you know, hey, man, we're just stretching ourselves too thin. You know what? Let's be radical for Jesus. Let's be sold out for the Lord. You know what? When this time has come and passed, only what we've done for Christ will last. Reel it in. Show me that in the Bible. We don't reel it in. We want to step out in faith for the Lord. Amen? We need to get out of our comfort zone to be used for the kingdom. He's saying, stand firm. He's saying, maintain your ground. Don't back up. Don't fall away. Don't rebel. Don't walk away. Stand firm in the Lord. Stand firm in his strength and the power of his might. Notice what he says here. Maintain your ground, not yielding or fleeing in the face of the enemy's attack. You know, the enemy's attacking me. I'm going to go home and quit. Well, that's when the enemy wins. When we stand firm, we trust the Lord. Hey, we've got people in this room Cancer survivors. We've got people in this room who've had grandchildren go to be with the Lord in the last few years. We've got people in this room who've dealt with great difficulty and great... Di- but guys, this is when we want to run to the Lord, not from Him. This is when we want to hang on to Him. You know, it says in Psalm 23, right? You know, lying down in green pastures. Sometimes when you're lying down in green pastures and everything's perfect, you can forget where the shepherd is. Where's the shepherd? He's around here somewhere. I'm lying down in green pastures. But you know what? When you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you're hanging on to the shepherd with both hands. Amen? You know when your faith grows? When it's being tested. When you're going through difficulty. When you can't fix it. You know my most desperate prayers are when people that I love are in a position where I can't help them, but only God can. And it drives you to your knees and you cry out with everything that you have. Lord, keep us humble, broken, and desperate. Keep us usable for your kingdom. Amen? And stand firm. When the enemy attacks, don't back away. Keep your eyes on the Lord and let him deal with Satan. So how do we do that? How do we stand there for? It says, having girded your waist with truth. The word girded there is to pull up. You've probably seen this in old, you know, movies from Jesus' time. You know, they walked around in robes. And if, um, can you imagine running a marathon, uh, Rich, in a, a judge's robe? You'd be, your face, you'd be face planting every eight steps. So what did they do? They girded their loins. They would pull up the rope and they would tuck it in to their belt, which would give them freedom to move and to move quickly in battle. And guys, we cannot move quickly and we cannot face the battle if we are not girded in the truth. Amen? It's the truth of God's word. By the way, Jesus is the way. He is the, he's the truth. Satan's the father of lies and Jesus is the truth. So when you tell a lie, you're being Satan-like. And when you speak the truth and you walk in the truth, you're being Christ-like. Can I get an amen to that? So he girded in the truth. Now, how can we know the truth? How do we know the truth? There it is. Someone's been coming to this church for a minute. Amen? Read the Bible. Read the book, amen? Don't wait for the movie. Open up the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And guys, we cannot 
walk in the truth if we don't know the truth. I had a guy that I've been interacting with online, and Mark's already laughing because he knows what happened. But uh, the guy made this statement to me this morning. He said, the only way you can go to heaven is if you have a Catholic priest bring you to an altar and you take the, the, the actual body of Christ and you eat it. If you don't do that, you're going to hell. And I lost my mind in Jesus' name. My head exploded in Jesus' name. I could not type fast enough in response. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. When Jesus died on the cross, we don't need an altar. We don't need a priest because he is our great high priest. Amen? We don't need the church. We are the church. Guys, we need Jesus. Amen? We are the bride of Christ. And when we take communion, we're remembering what he did on the cross. We're not doing it so we'll be saved. Our obedience is not our source of salvation. It's fruit of salvation. Can I get an amen to that? But see, the guy says it with such strength. You know why I knew it was wrong? Because I know the truth. Amen? And you know who gets duped? People who don't know the truth. As Christians, we need to know the truth. We need to walk in the truth. We need to speak the truth. And guys, the reality is, without the truth, we'd be face planting every six steps. Amen? Running in our robes, hitting our face on the ground. Guys, we need to know the truth of God's word. Without the truth, again, we would fall flat in battle. It's hard to stand on the truth if we don't study it. Amen? Again, Satan's the father of lies, and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So first of all, you gird yourself with a belt of truth. You're girded, you're ready for battle because you know the truth. Secondly, put on the breastplate of righteousness. These were made of metal plates and chains that covered the body from the neck to the waist, and they protected all the vital organs. And we can no sooner battle the spiritual enemy in our own righteousness than a soldier can be effective in a fight without a breastplate. It's not our righteousness that protects us. It's the Lord's righteousness. See, we put on his righteousness. You know why we're holy? Because he's holy. I'm not holy because I'm good. I'm not holy because I keep all the rules. I'm not holy because I'm perfect, far from it. But when Jesus sees you, if you've been born again, when the Father sees you, he sees you through the shed blood of his Son, and he sees you holy and righteous. And if we are to fight the battle, we need to put on the breastplate of righteousness because we are right standing before God. We have been made holy. We are forgiven. Amen? We've been blessed, chosen, adopted, accepted, redeemed, forgiven, enlightened, assured. We're rich in Christ, and we, we are, again, protected by the righteousness that we have in Him. Girded with the truth of the gospel, righteousness speaks of right standing before the Lord. and We have that because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. Then he says, verse 15, "...having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace." Preparation, a prepared foundation. The gospel provides footing for all that we do. Guys, without shoes in the battlefield, you're in trouble. Can you imagine being fighting in a battle barefooted? I mean, you'd just be tripping over glass. You'd be a walk. Guys, our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel, the gospel of peace. The gospel is the good news. It gives us peace even in the midst of the greatest battle. Guys, you've heard me say this. You can't threaten me with heaven. The worst thing the world could do to me is the best thing that can happen to me. Absent from the body and present with the Lord. The good news of Jesus Christ and crucified and risen from the dead prepares us for every walk of life. Can I get an amen to that? 
Every step we have to take, every difficulty we go through, every trial that we face, when we have the truth of the gospel, when we're walking in the truth of who Christ is, when we know the truth and we can share it with other people, it gives us a different perspective and prepares us to battle the enemy when he comes against us. It speaks of a readiness to share your faith. It also speaks of a peace within you when surrounded by conflict. Let me ask you a question. This is between you and the Lord. When is the last time you shared your faith with somebody? Go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and Son, and the Holy Spirit. Unless you're really busy, then you don't have to. Is that what the Bible says? We're all called to share our faith. We all have divine appointments every day. Part of that prayer each morning, I want to encourage you, Lord, I know there's going to be divine appointments today. Help me not to miss it. Give me an opportunity to share with somebody about you. And you don't have to have memorized the entire Bible. You don't have to have a THD, a doctorate of theology to be able to share your faith. Here's something you all can share. Here's who I was, and then I met Jesus, and here's who I am now. That's your testimony. Can I get an amen to that? The best, the best worship song I've ever heard is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen? The reality is that it's Jesus Christ, and we all can share our faith. And you know what? God will bring divine appointments, and when you live for the Lord, people will mock you till they go through a trial, then they will seek you out. We need to be prepared with the gospel of peace. We need to, be, we need to have our feet shod with it, ready to step out in faith and to be used For his kingdom and for his glory. We can have peace in the midst of war because we know the Prince of Peace. We need to be prepared to step out and be used for the Lord. Speaks of our readiness to share our faith and also speaks again of that peace that can be within our hearts. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you are able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Faith is represented as a shield, protecting us from the fiery darts of the wicked one. Those persistent efforts of the demonic foes to weaken us through fear and unbelief and doubt. The armory, the shield would be very large, made of wood, covered with leather, leather, leather excuse me, interlocked. They would form a wall and they protected the soldier from spears and darts. And faith is a a trust in the power and the promises of God. Peter also mentions the role of faith in spiritual warfare when he says this, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in faith. Guys, don't just deflect the arrows but quench the fire. Live in such a way, and that comes from faith. And again, a faith that hasn't been tested is indeed a faith that cannot be trusted. You know what the opposites of faith are? Fear, anxiety, worry, doubt. I'm not saying we don't have moments of those. We can. But that's from the enemy. That's not from the Lord. Can I get an amen to that? God has not given us a spirit of fear, power and love and a sound mind. If, if, look, if I'm, if I'm fearful, I'm not trusting that God is greater than what I'm going through. If I'm anxious, I'm not trusting that God is faithful to his promises and he will show up in his perfect timing and his will is going to be done in the midst of a difficult circumstance. If I'm depressed or discouraged, I'm allowing my circumstances to take my eyes off the Lord and put my focus on me. Is God always in control? Is God always faithful? Can we trust his promises? We need to live like it, amen? And when you have faith, and I believe this, I believe we're all called to have faith, But when you meet somebody who has a gift of faith, don't you know it? 
Someone who's got a gift of faith that did nothing, they just don't waver. One of my favorite Bible teachers is John Corson. His wife was killed in a car accident. Some years later, his daughter was killed in a car accident on the same road. And just in the last six months or so, his son died. And that brother does not waver. Now, he grieves, but we do not grieve as those without hope. And guys, I have a book that he wrote that I give to people when they're grieving. It's called The Future and a Hope. I know the thoughts I have for you, says the Lord, right? Jeremiah 29, 11. And guys, when our faith is tested, we find out where we really are spiritually. Amen? Because again, when our, the testing of our faith is where we grow the most. And when you see someone whose faith doesn't waver, we know it's not because they're strong, but because the God they serve is strong. And they're fully committed to Him. And their eyes and their focus and their passion are on Him. May we be men and women of faith in 2020. Can I get an amen to that? Faithful. Trusting the Lord. Not distracted by the world. Notice what he says here. Verse 17. And take on the helmet of salvation. Satan wants to make us doubt God, his word, and our salvation. You know what he does? He always questions the word. That's Satan's biggest tactic. Oh, did God really say? Didn't he say that in the garden to Eve? Isn't that what he said? Did God really say? He didn't really say that. He just knows if you do that, you're going to be as smart as him. You'll be great. So, and he always will doubt the word. He'll always question the word of God. He'll bring, and he'll, you know, but it, what's awesome to me is how did Jesus reply to Satan? With the word of God. When he was tempted in the wilderness, it is written. It is written. It is written. Guys, you know how we respond to trials? With the word of God, not our, our feelings or our thoughts. Now, our feelings are real to some degree, but our feelings can be wrong. Can I get an amen to that? I, I get it. I'm not saying you don't address the feel. I get it. But don't be moved by your feelings. Be led by the Holy Spirit. And we put on the helmet of salvation. Now, I love it. It's the helmet, too, because it covers our head and our mind. As Christians, we don't believe in spite of the evidence. We don't check our brains at the door. I've had people, you know, I interact with people that say, oh, no, you Christians, you just believe. You know, you just have... Guys, we don't have faith in spite of the evidence. That would be superstition. Can I get an amen to that? We have faith based upon the truth of the Word of God. Scientists keep changing their minds and the word of God is the same and the God of the word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can I get an amen to that? There was a time when scientists thought the world was flat and the word of God said, and it says in Isaiah that God looks down upon the circumference of the earth. If they'd read the Bible, they would know what it was round. Can I get an amen to that? There's the, right now, scientists believe that it went from the goo to the zoo to you. They believe in evolution. It's nonsense. The second law of thermodynamics and the law of entropy wipe that out as even a possibility, but they believe it anyway, and we don't have to fall for that. Guys, we don't believe in spite of the evidence. Guys, we have the truth on our side, amen? And we're, we have the helmet of salvation. By the way, he's proven to be true archaeologically. The Bible's proven to be true historically. The Bible's proven to be true prophetically. It's the most read book, the most attacked book, and it's the book that has changed the most lives. It's the bestseller in the history of the world. Nothing's close. It's 66 books written by 40 authors on three continents and three languages over 1,500 years with one central theme and no contradictions. How's that possible? Because God wrote it. Amen? And we can trust in the word of God. Don't trust in the words of men. We don't trust in the wisdom of men. The Bible says the wisdom of men is foolishness to God. So we guard our minds. We have the helmet of salvation. We've been saved. We've been redeemed. We've been forgiven. We're going to heaven. Guys, and we need not 
allow ourselves to be attacked. By the way, if you don't have a helmet on, you know what you call a, guy, a, a soldier with no helmet? A dead soldier. Amen? Our minds should be submitted to the Lord. We're to serve God with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. And again, as Christians, we don't check our brains at the door. We don't believe in spite of the evidence. Amen? Then he goes on to say, not only the helmet of salvation, but the sword of the Spirit. In the times of Ephesians, there were many that were being drawn away by vain philosophies. And he was telling them that they need to study the truth and not be drawn away by the lie. But now he's telling them the one offensive weapon in all the armor, all the armor they have is to defend them. All the armor, for the most part, is on the front because they are to be moving forward in the battle. Amen? Not hiding out, not sitting up on a mountain somewhere contemplating their navel and chanting. Can I get an amen to that? But out fighting the spiritual battle every day, out amongst the world, ministering to the world, having no fellowship with it. But there is one offensive weapon, and it's the sword. And the sword represents the Word of God. By the way, the sword that it speaks of here, it's a short little sword. It's not a long sword. It's a short little two-sided sword. Uh, the word, that's what the word means. And it was carried by, by uh, Roman legionnaires who wielded it with deadly accuracy. It was difficult to approach a soldier who was trained in the use of this, of this little sword. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing uh, even to the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It discerns the thoughts and intents of the heart. A material sword pierces the body. A spiritual sword pierces the heart. The Word of God will pierce people. God's Word does not return void. We don't need to win people with our opinions. We just need to take them to God's Word. Can I get an amen to that? Let's get them God's Word. God's Word doesn't return void. Let's teach it to them. So how do we win the spiritual battle? By being equipped with the whole armor of God, the belt, knowing the truth. Guys, if there's any doubt about who Jesus is, let's sit down and talk but if there's any doubt in your mind, read the Bible and ask God to reveal himself to you. Can I get an amen to that? Read the Bible. Number two, walking in righteousness, right standing, the breastplate. Guys, you're holy. You're holy. I'm holy, Dave. Not because I deserve it, but because of what he did for me. He made me holy in spite of who I am. Can I get an amen to that? By the way, saints. Who are the saints? We are. You're either a saint or an ain't. Can I get an amen to that? Either you know the Lord or you don't. And we're the saints. Saints are not people with statues put up to them in the Catholic Church. Then they said they prayed about, you know, they voted them in 200 years after they died. Saint means sanctified or set apart one. We've been set apart unto the Lord. Amen. We are righteous in Him. The shoes, we need to have a burden for the lost and a heart for the gospel. The shield, we need to be people of faith, extinguishing the doubts of dart. We need, uh, the, doubt, the doubts of darts. Uh, the helmet, serving God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. The sword, rightly dividing the word of truth. And now as he finishes up, notice what he says, last point. Along with identifying the real enemy and being equipped with the whole armor of God, we also need to understand the source of spiritual victory and boldness. Look what it says in verse 18. So we know everything, the sword of spirit, which is the word of God. Then he says this, praying what? Always. The Bible says to pray without ceasing, for this is the will of God. Now, the Bible also says you shall make my father's house a house of prayer. Praying without ceasing gives us all a headache. But here's, here's how 
that applies to my life. I wake up in the morning. Yes, Lord, I begin with prayer in the morning and I, I, I put God on speakerphone and I never hang up. Can I get an amen to that? When I'm driving between sales calls, I'm talking to the Lord. The veil's been torn. I can enter into his presence. We can have intimate fellowship with God anywhere and anytime. Can we say praise the Lord for that? Amen? So we need to be in that place of constant prayer. You know what prayer does? It takes the focus off me and puts my focus on him. I'm crying out to him. I'm, I'm seeking his wisdom. I'm seeking his will. I'm seeking his direction. Prayer again doesn't change his mind. It changes my heart. How can I have boldness to go out and live amongst the lost in a dying world? How can I be used for the kingdom and for his glory? Only if we are people of prayer. Now it says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. You know, supplication speaks of not only prayer for yourself, but prayer for others. Prayer in the Greek means general request. A supplication is a specific one. By the way, I love praying specific prayers. Can I get an amen to that? I think when you pray everything super general, how do you know if it got, I pray that God would bless all the people of the world. Okay. How do you know if that's answered? You know what I love to pray? Lord, I pray that my boss will give his life to Jesus Christ, and you will give me an opportunity to share my faith with him today. I love to pray prayers like that. Can I get an amen? I love to pray for people by name. You know what happens when you pray for people by name? You find yourself loving them more, being more burdened for them, looking for more opportunities to speak into their lives. Prayer and supplication, not just general prayers, but actually specific prayer that we pray and watch as God answers our prayer. And he says, Supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Who do we pray for? All believers. Can I get an amen to that? I think sometimes we find ourselves only praying for people struggling, and we should do that. But shouldn't we also pray for people who are doing well? Shouldn't we pray for people who God's using mightily? Can I get an amen to that? Because we can all fall. And too often we focus all of our prayers on the one who's in the most difficulty, and we should pray for them, but I also want to pray for those who are doing well in their relationship with the Lord, those who God is using in a mighty way. God, continue to strengthen them. Help them not to falter. Help them not to get their eyes off of you. We need to be praying. It says pray for all the saints. By the way, the greatest gift anybody ever gives me, and I mean this with my whole heart, is when someone says to me, I'm praying for you. How many of you agree with that for your own life? Isn't that the greatest gift someone can give you? Somebody online who watches this live stream said, Pastor Dave, I'm committed to praying for you every day. I wrote back, there's nothing better than that. Can I get an amen to that? Let's pray for each other. Pray without ceasing for this is the will of God. By the way, we have prayer here at 9 o'clock where we come together for prayer. And if you show up for 9 o'clock prayer, you'll be on time for 10 o'clock church. It's just kind of how that works. But I'm just saying. So we need to, worship is not the prelude to the message. It's, it's one of the reasons we're here. Amen? Then he says this. Let's finish. And for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I might open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Notice what he says. Paul is praying for boldness. The apostle Paul is praying for boldness. Who's one of the boldest people who ever lived? The apostle Paul, and yet he's praying for boldness. By the way, he's in prison while he's writing this. He doesn't say, his prayer is that, hey, Lord, get me out of here. My prayer, guys, where have you been? Gather up some swords and get me out of here. He, you know what he says? I pray for boldness that I can share the gospel. 
He's not praying about his circumstances. He's praying for opportunities to be used by the Lord for his kingdom and for his glory. Guys, if he's praying for boldness, don't we need to pray for boldness? Don't we need to pray for opportunities? The early church often prayed for boldness to preach the gospel. They were suffering great persecution. As many six million Christians were killed in the first 270 years of the church. And Paul's being persecuted, and he doesn't pray for deliverance, but he prays for boldness. That ought to tell us where Paul's heart was at. He was more concerned with people getting saved than his own comfort. What would happen in the church if we got that heart? Amen? Prayer seeking God, his power, his strength, his wisdom, his will. He says, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. He saw his being in chains, giving him an opportunity to be an ambassador for Christ. See, whenever we go through trials, no suffering is wasted. Can I get an amen to that? Whatever trial you go through, God will use it for his glory. Can you imagine being chained to Paul for 12 hours? Do you think you might have heard the gospel 57 different times? You think it might have been preached to, prayed over? Guys, here's the reality that every opportunity, every difficulty, every time we go through a trial, all suffering we go through, none of it's wasted. It's all used for his kingdom and for his glory if we will let him. Amen? Praise God for that. Then he finishes off. You may also know my affairs, how I am doing. Tychicus, a beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will make all things known to you, whom I have sent to you this, with this very purpose, that you may know of our affairs, you might comfort your hearts. Peace of the brethren, love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus in sincerity. Amen. Paul concludes the letter the way he began it. Grace and peace. Guys, they're always in that order because without grace, there never will be peace. Can I get an amen? And he writes this letter filled with exhortation, filled with encouragement, and he ends it by exhorting his people and reminding them in sincerity and in undying love. So, I told you what I was going to tell you. I told you, and I'll tell you what I told you. Amen? So, winning the spiritual battle. How do we do it? First, we need to identify the enemy. The enemy, again, it's not your family. It's not your boss. It's not the trials of life. The enemy is the devil, the world, the flesh, and the devil. How do we win the spiritual battle? By being equipped with the whole armor of God. Stand, therefore, maintain your ground, girding your waist with the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of God's word. And then the source of spiritual victory and boldness comes from prayer and supplication. And then notice as he ends the letter, he's talking about all those people that he has fellowship with. Because even though Paul was in chains, he never tried to fight the battle alone. Guys, we're getting ready to start a new year. My prayer is that this will be the best year of our life spiritually. Can I get an amen to that? That will be the most fruitful. That God will be glorified. That there will be opportunities for the gospel. I want to see revival in Calabasas and the cities that surround it. And you know what we need to do to see revival? We need to start praying for it. Amen? And we need to start living out loud, unashamed of the gospel. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We praise you. We love you. You are indeed a great and an awesome God. We thank you for your word that it's living and breathing and sharper than a two-edged sword. I know for some today, this might have been a heavy topic. Spiritual battle isn't real. Well, your word of God makes it so clear that it is. And Lord, we're thankful. The greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. We thank you that the battle belongs to the Lord. We're thankful for the end of the Bible because we know that you win. You're victorious. And so, Lord, help us to live victoriously, to walk in the center of your will, 
to be the men and women of God you've called us to be. In Jesus' name we pray and all God's people said...